we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Most of us so easily accept things, especially in religious and so-called spiritual matters, where authority assumes it knows and that you don't know. But it is necessary to discover what truth is, and for this there must be doubt. Hello and welcome to episode 152 of Urgency of Change. This week's theme is doubt. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from the archives, representing Krishnamurti's different approaches to many of the fundamental issues we all face in our lives. Upcoming topics are reincarnation, unity and innocence. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK which is also home to the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre. Situated in the beautiful countryside of the South Downs National Park, the Krishnamurti Centre offers individual and group retreats for those wishing to inquire into themselves in light of Krishnamurti's teachings. Please visit krishnamurticentre.org.uk for more information. You can also find our regular quotes and videos on Instagram TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on doubt has three sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's seventh talk in Sanan, 1980, titled Doubting is not the same as rejecting. If you have observed yourself, the activity of your own thought and mind and heart and brain, in your relationship you have an image about her or him, him or her or him. Why? Please, as we said, put this question to yourself. I'm not putting the question to you. You, who are living in this world with all the divisions and mess and utter misery and depression, degeneration, why you have an image? Do having an image about anything Does that give security? You understand, Michael? If one feels safe when you have an image about another, 
you feel safe. Because the other is moving, living, striving, pushing. And if you don't have an image about the person, then your mind and heart, everything has to be tremendously active. And most of our minds are lazy, befogged, clouded, without any subtlety, movement, quickness. So having an image about another gives one great security. You who are kindly listening to the speaker, you have an image about him, bound to. Otherwise you won't be here. the reputation and all that nonsense. So having the having an image, one feels, one knows. You don't know me, the speaker, nor your wife, nor your husband, nor your friend, but having an image, you think you know. So knowledge becomes, through the image, a sense of well-being, safe, security, and thereby gradual degeneration of the brain, mind. Because then you become lazy, you accept it. You never question the image itself. You never doubt the image. The image that Christianity has imposed on people, the image that Hindus, Buddhists and so on, to have these images gives you gives one a sense of security, a sense of well-being. And so gradually the enormous vitality which the brain has gradually withers away and in that withering which is unconscious we feel, one feels safe, secure, traditional, stay put. Please observe this in yourselves, not what the speaker is saying. Find out, if I may suggest, whether it is true or not. Not what the speaker is saying, but the image that you have, whether that image is not making your mind dull, whether that image is not preventing the extraordinary flowering of love. 
Because without that quality, that strange flower, one cannot possibly have order in one's life, and therefore order outwardly. Society is created by each one of us, which is in the creation of some strange individuals in the far past, or some superhuman god, but the society in which we live is created by human beings, but through their ambition, through their greed, through their competition, through their constant struggle, through their vanity, and so on, aggression, and so on. So the society is what we are. And this is important to understand. Unless we radically bring about a transformation in ourselves, we shall always live in a corrupt society. And therefore that corruption brings danger, terrorism, communism, all the divisive elements in society. Please do pay attention to all this. It's your life now. So we are asking whether you can live in this life without a single image. Which means, is there security beyond the image? You understand my question? Is there a sense of well-being, a sense of not being hurt psychologically, wounded? Is there such a state so completely secure, not the security brought about by thought, through the image, through the symbol, through various forms of conclusions, ideals and so on, which, are, which do not give security, but gives the illusion of being secure. You are following all this? Oh, for God's sake, will you f we are moving together. Is it very difficult to talk or have a serious meeting with so many people? Because we're all thinking so many different things. Each one is concerned with his own problems, with his own desires, with his own pursuits. You're committed to this guru or to that idea, so you just come and listen 
agree, disagree, just casually carry on. But if we are serious, and life demands that one be serious, and not only in the present state of the world, what people have done in the present, and the people who are doing it, if we are not aware of all that, which is in ourselves, then we live and bring about corruption, degeneration. So is it possible for the mind, the heart, and therefore the brain, the whole human psychological structure of what you are, this whole consciousness be radically changed. Our consciousness is made up of its content. Right? You're following this? Our consciousness is our beliefs, our desires, our anxieties, fears, pleasures, hypocrisy, vanity, our gods, our beliefs, all that is our consciousness. And we live and function within that consciousness. I'm not saying anything very strange. It may sound strange to you because perhaps you are hearing it for the first time or you have thought a little bit about it but have not gone into it sufficiently deeply. You can doubt what is being said, but what is being said is what you are. If you doubt what you are, which is your consciousness, and the consciousness is, your, is the content of it, if you doubt that, begin to question that, then perhaps you can go, the mind can go beyond that consciousness. You understand what I'm saying? You're following, we're talking to each other. We're not laying down any law. We're pointing out what the law of natural consequences. The law that where there is a cause, there is an ending. That's a law. You can doubt it as much as you like, but you can investigate it, go into it, doubt it, inquire, question, and you'll find it's a fact. Not because the speaker is saying, but in itself. 
either you listen so in so with such great attention you capture the meaning and the significance and the consequences immediately or you want the explanations and when you are when you are dependent on explanations see what is happening your own mind please listen to this when you are satisfied with explanations you are merely satisfied with words which is mere acceptance of the intellectual movement whereas if you begin to examine the nature of your own consciousness which is the consciousness of humanity please understand this thing it's not your consciousness because when you go abroad to india asia to all the gurus of the world the priests you will find they all have a common ground of this consciousness their suffer their pretensions their vanities the sense of everlastingly climbing the ladder ladder of heaven or the ladder of physical success so this consciousness is the common consciousness of all humanity you understand sir it is so you may doubt it doubt it question it go into it don't say i doubt it and just reject it that would be rather pure i but we say is this so do all human beings do all human beings go through similar anxieties similar pursuits similar depressions they may vary but depression is depression anxiety is anxiety it may be western anxiety or the eastern anxiety but is still the sense of being anxious uncertain despair is common to all mankind and when you realize that it is common to all mankind actually realize it not just as an idea as a concept as an image but when you actually realize inwardly that you are like every other human being you may have a different face different education different outward culture you may worship in one form or another but there it is inside you like a burning flame 
And we are asking whether that content be totally emptied. If it is not emptied, then you are caught in the old pattern of existence, with its travail, with its anger, with its cruelties, with its vanities, with its impossible dangers. So if you are, if you want to go into it seriously, let's talk it over together. This is meditation, not sitting cross-legged, which you have acquired from India. I really don't know why you go to India at all. It's the most dangerous country. I really mean it. It's the most dangerous country for Westerners to go there. It's full of romanticism in your minds, full of something mysterious, full of some miracles taking place there, full of gurus who you know, reach the upper ladder. And they have, in their presence you feel, oh my God, I've achieved something. You understand all this? Romance, sentimentality, vanity, all that's encouraged. You know, there is a story in India. So there was a boy who was sixteen or so, and his family was very religious, in the orthodox sense of that word in India. There was a Brahmin boy. And so he's, he said to his father and mother, I am leaving you because I want to find truth. You have talked about it. You have told me about it. Your books tell me about it. But I want to find out. So he goes from one guru to another, one teacher to another, and he wanders all over India for fifty years. And he doesn't find it. He puts on different robes, different coloured, not saris, but different kind of garments. And at last he says, I haven't found it, so I better go home. So he returns. And as he opens the door, there it is. You understand? It has always been there, not because he has wandered all over the earth, but it is there. But only we don't know how to look.
because we, human beings, are the history of mankind. You understand? We are the story of mankind. In us is the history of mankind, the story. But we don't know how to read that book. So we say, please tell me all about it. Ask everybody in this journey of waste how to read, how to point, tell me. You understand what I'm saying? It is there. That's why self-knowing is very important. Not according to any psychotherapist, not according to various philosophers, because then you're looking at yourself with their eyes. Therefore, you never are capable of reading your own book, which is the book of humanity. You understand all this, sir? So, to know, so without any shadow of doubt, without any illusion, without any sense of holding back, to know, to observe this whole movement of consciousness, which is oneself. One can do it very easily. You don't have to move away from where you are. Either they go north, east, west, south, it's where you are. But where we are is not very pleasant. It's not very encouraging. We're rather bored. But over there, across the river, is more beautiful, more romantic, more colourful. Therefore, we build a bridge over there. Where you are there, still you are there. You understand? It's still you over there. So don't cross the bridge. If I may point out. So it is possible to read oneself, read about oneself so to the last chapter and to the last word. That requires attention, observation, not analysis. Just to observe what's going on without giving any direction to your observation. This this constant alertness to your reactions, to your reflexes, to your vanity, to your aggression, just 
you know, play with it. In playing with your, watching yourself humorously with play, you learn far more. You observe far more than striving after, say, I must know myself. And it is necessary for the mind and therefore the brain and the heart to be free of all illusions before you begin to meditate. Right? That's obvious. If you sit cross-legged, try to concentrate, focus your mind, follow a system day after day, your mind has not is maybe or still is in illusion. And therefore your systems, your breathing, your yoga, all this encourages the illusions in which you are caught. The second extract is from the sixth talk in Ojai, 1982, titled Doubt is a Great Purifier. What is culture? The ordinary meaning of that word is to cultivate. As you cultivate vegetables, a garden, a rose bed, Culture implies not a repetitive mechanical existence, but to be free from the known and act from that know and from that freedom. That's actually culture. That is, we live always in the known. Please kindly follow all this if you are interested. It's a nice morning and you may treat this gathering as an entertainment which would be most unfortunate, as a kind of mental stimulation, a drug. But it's, if you treat this as a form of a stimulation, then you lose the reality of one's own life, of one's own shallowness, one's own emptiness, one's own fears, anxieties, and all the travail of life. So please, As the speaker puts into words, examine that which he says for yourself. Because doubt, scepticism, is a great purifier. Most of us are so easily accept things, especially in religious matters. 
in so-called spiritual matters. There, authority assumes it knows and you don't know. They act as interpreters. But it is necessary to discover what is truth. There must be doubt. And doubt in the Eastern world, in the Eastern religions, have been emphasized. In the Christian world, doubt is an anathema. Because if you doubt the whole structure of the church, whether it be local or from the from Rome or any other, if you doubt it, then the whole thing collapses. So in the Western world, doubt has been condemned. They have been burnt, those who doubted, called heresy. They have been tortured, as they are doing now political prisoners in various parts of the world. It is the same phenomenon. So, please don't accept a thing what the speaker is saying, but try to find out for yourself by carefully listening, if you are interested, if you don't treat this as an entertainment, then please listen and doubt and question and ask. You are doubting that which you have created yourself. You are doubting your own ideas, your own conclusions, your own experiences, your beliefs, your faiths. You are doubting so that you find out for yourself what is truth. And that is very important, because truth demands a free mind, a mind that is completely free, and there is no path to truth. So please, as we are going into this very complex problem, let us listen carefully with certain quality of doubt. To doubt requires sensitivity. If you doubt everything, then this becomes rather stupid. But to doubt with light hand, with a quick mind, with subtlety, then the doubt brings about clarity, energy. And we need energy to go into all these problems, to resolve them. So we are asking, 
What is culture? Is it merely the mechanical repetition of the known? Which is, we live in the past. The past is our memory. The past is our knowledge through experience. And we live always in the past, in the known. And when we act from the known, it is repetitive. We must act in certain areas with knowledge, like a scientist. He has to have a great deal of knowledge. Or a great surgeon must have experience, he must have operated upon many, accumulated knowledge, skill, and the sensitivity of hand, and there knowledge is necessary. And knowledge, which is all our remembrances, all the past incidents, the hurts, the fears, the longings, the despairs, the desperate loneliness, all that's part of our past knowledge. And when we are acting from the past, it must be repetitive. And therefore, the mind becomes mechanical. The computer is a repetitive machine, maybe quicker, faster than the human brain. But it but that machine is repetitive, as we human beings are. And so we are questioning any culture born from the past, from the known, obviously is mechanical, repetitive. And so we are going to find out what is it that brings about a culture which is totally different from the mechanistic culture which we have accepted for thousands of years. The final extract in this episode is from the fourth talk at Brockwood Park in 1974, titled, Doubt is Necessary to Have No Illusion. Now, we are asking another question, which is, can the mind, can the brain, or the, is, no, let me put it differently, is there a part of the brain which is not touched at all by human endeavour, by human violence, by human hope, desire and all the rest of it. 
How are you going to find this out? You understand my question? I have brought about, not I have, the brain, the mind has brought about order within the within that area, within that small area. Without that order, I can't, there is no freedom to inquire. Therefore, there must be complete order in there. Order means freedom, obviously. Order means security, <coughs> so that there is no disturbance. Now, I want the mind says, I know, I've lived here and I, I see the necessity of order, responsibility in relationship, and so on. But the human problems are not solved. I, there must be a different kind of energy. And is, the mind says, is there such energy? You following all this? This is meditation. Not sitting quietly, breathing in a certain way, following a system. You understand? Hmm? Which all the gurus in the world teach you how to meditate, which is all silly nonsense. But to find out if there is an area of the brain where there may be a different kind of energy and perhaps there may be a state where, not a state, where there may be an area where time doesn't exist. Therefore, an immeasurable space. How is the mind to find this out, if there is such a thing? Therefore, first there must be doubt. You understand? Doubt. Doubt is a, is a purifying thing. But also, you must know how to hold it in leash. You understand what I'm saying? You must not only doubt, must also must hold it in leash. Otherwise, you doubt everything, which would be too stupid. So, doubt is necessary. Whatever you experience, doubt. Because your experience is based on your experiencer. The experiencer is the experience. You understand? Therefore, the search for experience more becomes silly. And doubt 
and the mind must be very clear not to create illusions. I can imagine that I have got the new kind of energy. You follow? I'm I'm achieved in timeless state, which are all tummy rot. Therefore, one must be very clear that to have no illusion. Now, illusion comes into being only when there is a desire to achieve something. Psychologically, we are talking about when I desire to achieve God, whatever that God is, I can that God which I have created out of myself, it is an illusion. So I must understand very clearly this desire and the drive and the energy that desire has. I desire living in a shoddy little world Shot a little life, a life of ugliness, brutality, I desire to have a marvelous, peaceful life. According to my desire, I create the illusion that I am living in a marvelous world. And I call that an intuition also. So there must be doubt and no factor of illusion. You understand what we are talking about? This is very serious, isn't it? A plaything. And all religions have created illusions, because religions are the product of our desire, exploited by the priests, with their all their business. So, then to come upon that energy, if there is such energy, if there is such immeasurable state, thought must be absolutely quiet. You understand? Without control. Is that possible? You understand, sir? Our thought is endlessly chattering. Our thought is always in action. I want to find out if there is that state. All right, I'll doubt, I'll have no illusion, I will live a life of order. Because that's other state may be marvelous, if I must have it. It is chattering, endless. Can that chatter come to an end without any control, without any suppression? Because any form of suppression, control, distorts the full movement 
of a brain of every form of distortion must come to an end. Otherwise the brain ends up in a neurotic action of security. So I am asking myself and you whether the brain can be whether the mind can be absolutely still, that means can time have a stop, can thought come to an end, but only function where it is necessary, which is in the field of the know. In the technological world, how to drive a car when I speak English or French or whatever it is. That's the field of the know. Otherwise, it has no place. But my mind is chattering. I am not this, I must be that, I must be beautiful. Oh, why didn't I do that yesterday? Oh, I have this and that. We follow. This endless chattering going on. Can the mind be completely quiet? And they say, all the gurus, all the traditionalists say, it can be quiet only when you have completest of controls. Therefore, follow this system to control it. That system invented by some bearded gentleman, and you accept it. or unsaved, saved, whatever you like. Now can the mind, please listen to this, be completely quiet? Because if it is not quiet, it cannot move into any other field. It will carry its own momentum into the other, if there is the other. Because I am doubting the other all the time, because I don't want to be caught in an illusion which is so easy, so cheap and so vulgar. I have this problem. Nobody can answer me. You understand? I am putting this problem to you to find out to exercise your capacity, brain, to find out if your mind can be absolutely quiet, which means the ending of time, the ending of thought, without effort, without control, without any form of suppression. Is your mind ever quiet? Not daydreaming, not vacant, but quiet and yet attentive, aware. Haven't you known it? Haven't you known it happen occasionally when you're not? Involved in it? 
because to see anything or to hear anything, the mind must be quiet, mustn't it? If you are chattering, and I hope you are not now, you will not listen to what is being said, right? Your very interest in what is being said brings about this quietness of mind that will listen. I'm interested in what you're talking about, because it affects my life, my ways of living, what I do, what I think. It affects me, and I want to listen to you completely, not only verbally, but behind the words, not the semantic movement of thought, but also behind. I want to find out exactly what you say, not interpret what you say, translate according to my pleasure and vanity what you say. So I, my very intensity of listening to you to find out, I have to have a quiet mind, haven't I? I wonder if you see this. I have not compelled the mind to be quiet. The very attention to listen to you is quietness. You understand? The very attention to find out if the mind can be completely quiet is quietness. I wonder if you get this. And this silence of the mind is necessary. Untrained silence. Because trained silence is noise, is meaningless. Therefore, meditation is not a a control directed activity, but it is, an activi- it is an activity of no thought. <laughs> I wonder if you realise all this. Then you will find out for yourself if there is or if there is not something which is not nameable, which is not within the field of time, and without finding that out, without coming upon it, without seeing the truth of it or the falseness of it, life becomes a a shallow, empty thing. You may have perfect order, in yourself. You may have no conflict, because you have become very alert, watchful, but all that becomes utterly superficial without the other. So meditation 
contemplation, not in the Christian sense or in the Asiatic sense, means thought operating only in the field of the known and thought realising itself that it cannot move into any other field. Therefore, ending of thought means ending of time. 